the line about basically coming all over you is intriguing to me. And then I think about what rebirth... Sorry, let me take it a step back. I must have missed that one. Yeah, I was going to say, there is no line about <laughs> coming all over you. <laughs> what the hell is this? Yeah, this there is, is a... just what goes on in his head normally. Eric is <laughs> off too much. <laughs> Listen, what I'm trying to get at is, minute, is minute, minute. yeah, you better explain yourself now, man. I have to explain <laughs> myself. Now, this doesn't come with an official lyrics sheet or a, a booklet or anything like that. But there is. I always wondered what he was doing when he just goes quiet for a bit. It's I don't know. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M from the New Power Generation. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Eden Nelson. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We're back to do another non-album tracks episode. This is non-album tracks volume two, and we're going to talk about it. Before we do, let me introduce the Peach and Black panel player babies blown to kingdom come toe jam we the people will get the final say captain rebirth of the flesh it's all over you (laughs) my goodness i'm rob s (laughs) and i'm blessed to have your company we all are let's go into not album tracks volume two let's go into the first track this is a selection that i made and the song is called rich friends And if you haven't heard it, don't worry, because it's a one-off piece of music that is not incredibly well-known. Like I said, it's called Rich Friends. This came out in, Captain? 2010, right? 14th of October, 2010. Literally just over a week after we sat down with him. Oh, okay. So it was released. Wasn't it a kind of a scoop with you guys? He mentioned the name Rich Friends. It was part of 2010 Deluxe, and he was talking about that. Mm. And then later on, the song came out. That was my recollection. I I don't know if that's Mm. the way it played out, though. My recollection, this might be mixing up with other songs. It could be that it was one of those songs that was, like, streamed on a radio thing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the radio. People had heard it. But like a week later that a proper download became available somewhere. I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe an actual download ever became available. What I do remember was that it was played somewhere in Europe on radio. Then we met him. 
when we were in New York, the full song was played at the end. I think it was at the end of Prince's press conference announcing the Welcome to America shows. And then he also mentioned that it was going to be on 2010 Deluxe. And then finally, it was released as a stream on, was it KTU? 103.5 FM, which is a radio station in yeah, New York. Yeah, it, it was on a radio station, but an original version did come out at some point. I can't remember if it was streamed or what it was, but there is a version without like the radio stuff on it. Okay. Yeah, the version I've got is crystal clean. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know where that came from then, because I don't believe it was ever released like through any of his websites at the time. It didn't come out on iTunes, but it's out there. As far as the song goes, I have to say that even though I selected this, it was more for because of the memory, because it was one of those songs that came around when Captain and I flew over to New York to meet Prince. And that's like, oh, what a memory. It's so special to me. But the song itself, I hate to say this, it is undeniably underwhelming. And it's not a surprise that this was never officially released. Hang it's on also a second. An- was this song about us? Was he our rich friend <laughs> who flew us to New York? Is that what the whole thing's about? Now I need to go back and listen to all the lyrics again. That changes I, I everything. I highly doubt it. Captain, I don't think it does. <laughs> Feel free. Knock yourself out. But I highly, highly doubt it. You'll find that it's the apocalypse if you listen close. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Jesus. Jesus had rich friends. Yeah, look, this is a weird track because to me, this song represents the inside of Prince's mind on a somewhat lazy day, which is to say that I think there are plenty of ideas in this song that if they were more fully formed or developed in a better way, this song has a lot of potential to sound a lot better than it does. But I find the production completely underwhelming. There's almost no low end in it. I really dislike what he was doing around this time with his uh, Lindrum stuff and and just his uh, Lindrum stuff and and just his overall his drum programming. I found it really really weak on the whole. There are a couple good things on um, on the album 2010 that had some actually strong really really strong Lindrum production, but at the same time he would come out with this, which is, it just sounds tinny. There's some lame piano notes, and I call them lame because they, they just don't do anything. I can't figure out why it's so flat. Like, it's just a really flat song to me. And then even though I'm saying it's flat, like halfway through and three quarters through, there's all this kind of wizard-like sound effects and quite striking guitar playing and kind of guitar tinkering, I think is probably a better way to call it or refer to it. But the thing that bothers me the most is the vocal. The vocal here is too high. His falsetto doesn't work. It's like what he was doing on... Do you guys remember that song, Walk in Sand, of the album 2010? This is another one of those examples, maybe not as bad as Walk in Sand, but still in that same category that I've created in my own mind about times when Prince's vocal just came off weak, just didn't have enough oomph in it. His voice kind of breaks a little bit in parts. It's almost like he's not even really convinced of what he's singing. And I hate to be overly critical, but for a guy that referred to himself especially after our Morris Hayes interview and things that, that we've learned from Morris recently about you know what Prince thought was one of his greatest gifts, which was lyric writing. I find the lyrics and the delivery of the lyrics here a little bit cliche to say the least. So um, yeah, I'm really not a fan of this. Maybe one reason why this sounds so flat, going back to what Morris was talking about, there was one time when Prince just couldn't be bothered getting songs mastered and he'd just put them out as is. Maybe this was one of those. Maybe this is one of those. But the thing is, like, I could imagine this, the bare bones version of this song, 
being played live with Prince on a, an acoustic guitar with Shelby, Liv and Elisa around him singing like just a cappella background vocals and turning it more into a, a bit of a rowdy blues number and it would work a lot better. But just this tinny electronic crap in the background just doesn't work for me. Okay, rant over. Uh, Toje, what are your thoughts? Uh, first thing I've written here, I haven't listened to this song in about four or five years and listening back to it this afternoon for this review, it was actually a bit better than I remembered it being. I was never been a huge fan of it. Sonically, I think it fits right between 2010 and Artificial Age. It's got a bit of that 2010 Lin drum stuff, but it's kind of starting to put a bit more stuff into it, the Artificial Age kind of sound. I kind of agree with you, though, that the beat is just kind of sluggish and it's not really kind of grooving. It's just kind of like tripping over itself almost. You've got that keyboard ooh sound. Ooh, ooh, uh, uh, it's, just, it's almost done like a percussion instrument kind of interesting but it's not that amazing i like some of the lyrics some of the lyrics are kind of cliche like the you know who needs money when you've got a plastic card like that would have sounded kind of interesting in like 1986 but like by 20 2010 <laughs> or so like that lyric kind of stood out to me as being a bit dated i kind of like some of the lyrics towards the end i'm gonna go here you know he talks about opening up a church you can't buy happiness but you can pay for the search you know no use crying the blues in a private plane kind of have a bit of a, a diss at some of those like mega church parsons this kind of thing um, the three-minute mark is, breaks down and he talks about his house in Spain and how it's like like the windows in a church. And when I heard that today, I'm like, he's talking about his, you know, the Maite house from Spain. You know, he had this massive mansion and he's talking mm. about, you know, selling this stuff on eBay. And, you know, and I realized this song is potentially about him looking back on himself as a, as a rich guy, like just buying and selling houses and mansions and this kind of thing. You know, it's a different world, isn't it? Like compared mm. to the four of us. So, I mean, I like the bit about the lyric where he's talking about, um, you know, throwing something in the water and catching a fish every time. I like the way his vocal delivery does that kind of sarcastic. Um, but I'm not even sure what the message of the song is. I mean, is he saying it's a good thing to have rich friends? <laughs> Or is he saying, like, is he kind of looking on to the high-class world and seeing, like, a dark side behind it? I, I can never quite figure it out. I can't work it out either. And you know what? Where is his heart at here? Like, he's, yeah. it's very hard to pick his emotion. It's like, why yeah. is he even singing this? What is he singing yeah. about? What it's is almost it like, It's almost like he's got an, a, a catchy title for a song. You know, Rich Friends, Who Needs Money If You Got Rich Friends? Like, that little phrase itself is a catchy little phrase. And he's tried to build a song around that phrase, but some verses sound like it's a positive and some verses sound like it's a negative. And I'm not, I'm never quite sure what it's supposed to be about. Sorry for jumping in, but I just, because you're getting me thinking a lot about this. It's also hard to listen to a song called Rich Friends from a guy who's like filthy rich. Like it just doesn't come yeah. off in the right way. Yeah. Crying the blues from a private plane. I mean, Prince, you have a private plane. Like <laughs> He probably wrote lines from this song on his private plane. I absolutely agree. What the hell no, are you I mean, talking about? Having said that, I mean, it could be a good thing as well that you know, he knows he lives this kind of life, but he, he also recognizes the, the dangers behind kind of living this life and the, the pitfalls that it gets people into. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty skippable song, forgettable song. But when I heard it today, after about four or five years, I thought this isn't too bad. There's some nice acoustic guitar stuff. And I totally agree with you that I think this would be better as just like an acoustic guitar song. Hmm. That's my review. Uh, okay. Player, what are your thoughts? I absolutely agree with that um, sentiment that you just said about a song like this coming from like a wealthy guy from Prince. It, like it doesn't do it for me. The lyrics and the thematic themes about money and rich friends and all that, I, it just 
practice. It's funny because like, you know, if Prince is singing, I want to be your lover and he's singing, you know, I ain't got no money and stuff, you know, there's that, but that's kind of like a charming song. And it was like one of his first songs. And probably when he wrote it, he was, he probably didn't have any money at that time when he wrote the song or whatever. Hmm. But, you know, this is different. And like I said, I don't even sort of get what the end message is. You know, the piano sounds nice. The acoustic guitar is nice. The drum program is nice. Like the music part of it, if it was an instrumental, like I think it'd be good with some different lyrics. But with these lyrics on it, it's just, I just, I don't get it. It's kind of like you said, Walking Sand. I'm thinking of... Everybody Loves Me, I think that was another song on there hmm. that had that cheesy piano riff, that dun dun, yeah. dun 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 It sounds a bit like that. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it didn't make it on 2010 and it was just like a leftover because it, it does sound kind of half-baked. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So a lot of us are getting similar sentiments. You know, it also reminds me of a little bit of the song Stare, but in a really, really subtle way. I think there are musical elements that underpin this, like the kind of stop-start rhythm and a bit of the bass expression in this song is done much, 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 much better in a song like Stare from Hit and Run Phase I thought you were going to say that was similar because they meander away. They start off promising and sort of meander away into nothing. <laughs> kind of that as well, but it's like Stare is what this song should have been. So I don't know if anyone else sees that connection at all. But with that, let's go to Captain and get his thoughts on this track. This was supposed to be released on 2010 Deluxe. That never happened. <laughs> MC said he wants to hear a bare bones version of this track. How much more bare bones can you get? It's just a drum beat and a little synth. That's all there is. A bit of guitar comes in later on. I can see why this never made it anywhere if it was from a quality control aspect because it's not a strong track. Even on 2010 Deluxe, it would have been just a filler. Like, mm. I've literally heard this track probably three times since it came out, and two of them were you know, yesterday and today. The fact it manages to go on for five and a half minutes is mind-boggling. There barely seems enough ideas in this track to manage 90 seconds. There's just nothing there. I have no idea what it's about, except what I said before is that he was our rich friend. That's what it's about. <laughs> Oh, okay, Jerry Classic. The end. Okay. Well, now that that song is out of the way, player, why don't you tell us about the next piece of music we're going to discuss, your next selection. Okay, so this track is a very interesting track because it was a track recorded in the 80s, put into the vault as a storage house of ideas, and <laughs> pulled out again and revamped, if you want to use that word, uh, specifically for the Montreux Jazz Festival, and I'm speaking Ooh, of yeah. the track In a Large Room With No Light. Did you ever feel the life was like looking for a penny in a large room with no light? My palms are getting sweaty now. I can't wait to hear you talk about this. <laughs> Mum's spaghetti? <laughs> Here we go. So, I think it's very hard to review this track without mentioning the original. I personally like both the original and this, but they're very different from each other. This is more subdued and laid back and jazzy, whereas the original is more driven and upbeat and it has the horns. So it's interesting how there's two versions of the same track and they're executed completely differently. Even the vocal delivery between the two is different. I think in the original, Prince's vocal is very sort of upfront and upbeat and here it's kind of not lazy but it's very laid back and jazzy so he's not even i don't even think he's given it his all in in the vocal not to say that it's a bad thing but it's just interesting i like um john blackwell's drum fills 
in the middle of the song like there's pauses where he just kind of just drums and renato's solos are highlights for me listen to renato's electric piano noodling whilst prince is singing his verses that's really cool and on renato's solos no two solos are the same so the solo on this is different to the mantra the one he does on the mantra mm. and on the mantra they filmed two concerts but they played this song twice and each time the solo is different so every time he does a solo, it's always different. And I, I like that. The coda outro is very trippy. The guitar tone on that is really nice. It sounds like something similar thematically on what's on Lotus Flower. To me, it's like kind of free form space jazz. And then I guess we get to the vault dilemma, which is obviously in the vault is the 1986 version of this song. But Prince has released this as a one-off track, which you would imagine he sees this as the definitive version. So if the estate releases the 80s version, is that something that would he would really want? That's kind of the dilemma. I feel tracks that are in the vault that haven't been released, you know, he probably maybe if they're in a full form, he would want them released. But in instances like this, or another good example is Days of Wild. Like there's probably a studio version, but he never chose to release a studio version. He always released live versions of that. So I guess he would, in his mind, think that that's the definitive version. So, I mean, I love the 80s version, but um, whether he would think that's the definitive version, we'll never know. But I really like this track. I think it's really trippy and cool. My um, mouth is gleaming from ear to ear. I just couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of this track. But before we go to me, Auto Jim, let's go to Captain. I want to get his view. What do you think about this? Like Player said, it is hard to review this without mentioning the original 86 Dream Factory version. That's that's the trick here. But even just based on this version alone, it's an amazing track. But the strange thing is what player said about the you know there seems like there's more energy in the original version the original version is actually slower the new version is slightly faster but it Mm. sounds even more laid back it's weird and it's this new version's over two minutes longer than the original but i don't think anyone could listen to this track and have any doubt to prince's songwriting abilities it's just crazy stuff this is it's sort of jazzy and it's a little bit funky and it's just it's everything I mean, there's some cool bass parts during the keyboard solo, which is actually pretty good. It's very likely Renato, but it just seems way too focused for him. It's just, it's not just random noodling. It actually sounds like he thought about it for more than one second. So I don't know. 305, we get to the big, that big outro with the cool bass groove and there's some crazy guitar solos over the top of it all. This would have been a great song for him to play at the piano and mic shows. That would have been an interesting take. I think. Hmm. Never thought and, of that. And yeah, um, yeah um, MC's got to go next because he bloody heard this live, didn't you? Yeah. Shut Twice. <laughs> I kick your ass. Twice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to hand it over to Tojang. This is one of those rare occasions where because I've seen this performance twice in the flesh i don't even care about saying anything i just want to hear everyone else's thoughts because because as i already kind of admitted i'm a super fan of this track toe jam what do you think okay well so the context behind this song is that i think player mentioned that this was released a few days before the montreux jazz festival in 2009 it was a well-known song in the prince fan community from a 1986 bootleg uh, studio recording and it is very as you guys have said it is very hard to compare these two because the bootleg is, you know, the, the sound quality, unfortunately, is quite crusty. But to me, that's always been one of his best outtake songs. Um, like in terms of songwriting, performance, really good stuff. The only thing has always been, oh, the sound quality is a bit crusty. 
This one, well, the sound quality is there, but it's um, it's a different. It's almost like a totally different song. It's the same chords, it's the same lyrics, but it's totally different. Um, this is the 2009 jazz rhythm section with John Blackwell, Renato, and Ronda, Woo! and obviously there's no horns. And I think it's a rehearsal take. Like, I didn't see this as a studio song. I see this as them rehearsing the song in the studio. And for that reason, I think it kind of falls under because Prince's vocal is, he's not hammering it out like he does in, in the studio recording. It's, it's lackluster. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> hang, on, hang on, hang on. H- having said that, the best thing about this song is that unlike the bootleg that we're familiar with, this one has the the extended outro and that to me is the feature of this song i mean this song really only goes for like a minute 30 this version of the song it only goes for a minute and 30 and then they're on to solos before i get to that i want to talk about the lyrics i think it's some of his best lyrics i really love the lyrics in this song i think they just really paint a picture uh i mean the first lyric lana drew a picture uh, Lana drew a picture in school today, one that made a mother cry. A picture of a woman with a drink in her hand, standing by a child with no eyes. Washington reaction based upon revenge. Babies blown to kingdom come. Damn, the logic cartoon characters look better on the run. It's just so visual, this song. And it's just like um, interesting ideas. Just here's an interesting thought. Here's an interesting picture. Here's an interesting think of that. And and your brain kind of is trying to put them together. And what is the song about? And uh, it's just really good lyrics. Uh, one of my favorite lyrics comes from this song, is, and that is, um, if you could pass your history class, maybe life would just be all right. That's such a cool lyric. I don't know what it is about it, but I always love that when he sings that part. Mm. Um, the way he sings it too, it's like kind of tongue in cheek. Like player said, John Blackwell's fills are crazy in this, especially in that outro version. He's doing some crazy stuff when, you know, the bass is just doing this repetitive. Doom, 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 doom. And if you listen to him at one point, he's doing these snare rolls into each one of these. Really cool. I can't imitate it. Not even with my mouth, let alone a drum kit. Yeah, that, I mean, that turnaround, the few seconds before the big groove at the end is really good. That's such a good turnaround riff to lead into the minor outro. And I love that bass. Just It's just like going around in a circle, just like uh, I can see it in my head, like like a ball bearing just going up and then down and up and down. And then, um, you know, Prince's guitar style, I hear some crazy notes going way out there, out of the scale. Some interesting background stuff going on in the keys there. I think there might be some overdubs from Prince kind of complimenting his guitar solo. And I really like it when it breaks down too. And there's some beautiful piano there, which I suspect is Renato, acoustic piano. That These really nice block chords, very soft as well. And I love the way the song fades out into, you know, into nothing. So I think the first half of this song, the original is better. The second half of the song, this version is better. But yeah, I'm really happy that this at least got some sort of release because I, I think it's one of Prince's most legendary songs in the fan community. So it's good that something came out. I would love to hear the 86 version in pristine quality. I think if that ever saw the light of day, that that could easily be in my top 10. We'll see. One day, we'll see. Hmm. This song is You're missing. Great. It's missing Eric Leeds. I mean, this song without Eric Leeds is, is a different song. <laughs> Every song without Eric Leeds is a different song. I think that might have been my favorite 10 minutes of this show on this episode. Because I just could listen to all the things that everyone was saying that was overwhelmingly positive for the most part. And um, I'm on cloud nine at the moment because my love of this song is intense. I think it's a supreme track. I could not even try to criticize this in a negative way. It is remarkable. Whether it's a rehearsal or whether it's his final vision for this song in studio form, we'll probably never know. But my memory of this song is pretty unique in the sense that because I was going to the festival and I was flying to Switzerland from Australia, this was released like either the day of my flight, I want to say, or maybe one day before. 
something like that. It might have been a day before. And it was streamed on the Montreux Jazz website, montreuxjazz.com. And I, I remember going on there, hearing this, going, oh my God, like I have no idea what I'm about to hear. And, not, and I'm not just referring to the song itself, but I was thinking about the shows because I was bloody flying there going, what are we going to get? What, and when I heard this, the first thing that I thought was, okay, this is going to be different. This is not going to be the normal Prince concert that everyone expects because no artist in his right mind would release a re-recorded version, studio version of a bootleg from like 20 something years ago, if this is going to be a hits parade. And I remember the smile on my face. I couldn't wipe it off. I think all the way to Switzerland because I was thinking, oh my God, oh my God. And what if he plays this song? Oh, what if he plays other rare songs? And it just got me into this head spin of what I was about to see and hear and experience. And luckily for me, the decision that I made to spend a shitload of money and time and effort getting there was worth it because now those shows have been documented and are available for posterity. Oh, so you didn't need to time. go after all. Exactly. <laughs> Could have just stayed at home. Um, so it's an incredibly emotional, and it was emotional listening to you guys talk because I always associate this song with those shows. So uh, that was really, really cool. And, um, you know, hearing all, all the feedback, but I can't really say too much more slash too many different things, really. But there are two or three key things that I think make this song incredibly special. One is, it is, as far as I'm aware, the last studio recording that came out with John Blackwell, rest in peace, Renato Nero and Rhonda Smith. And just for that fact alone, it's really, um, it's, it's just a really special recording because we know they were rehearsing in the weeks leading up to these 2009 Montreux shows. And potentially they recorded other stuff as well. I would love to hear their rehearsals or, or any other studio songs they did over at Paisley Park during this period. But that's really special for me. Obviously, it's special because I was there in the audience. But probably the biggest reason is that this is like, this is one of those really rare instances where a Prince song that he recorded in the studio sounds almost identical when it was done live. Like, it's uncanny. And I mean, of course it's going to sound the same because it's the same people playing the song, but like the studio recording almost sounds like just one live take. I know there are overdubs, but I it just sounds like one live take with Prince, John, Renato, and Rhonda. And in the live version, it's exactly the same. It's just those four people playing the music. And um, I really that's think why... I it's really think it's, it's yeah. a rehearsal. Yeah, it must be a rehearsal. Yeah. So, so that's probably why I'm making that connection. But for me, it's a really emotional connection because it's like I remember hearing Stevie Wonder talk about music and, and why a lot of his songs struck a chord with people, uh, Stevie's music. And that's because of the memories they have. You know, when someone hears Superstition or where they hear Sir Duke or where they hear whatever it is, they remember where they were when they heard that song. And I think that's the case with all music. And all artists, when I think of this track, all I think of is Montreux 2009, and they're so similar. So, um, yeah, really, really special. I think this is what purple jazz sounds like. That's the other thing I'll say. I think that Prince's Rainbow Children era was fantastic musically, but I prefer the production values of this. You know, it's more like a rehearsal. It's less overdone production, I would say. And so, yeah, it's just really, really cool. I would love to hear an entire album of this. And that's about all I can all I can say. Guitars on fire and what a cool song title. In a large room with no light, originally, allegedly named as Life is like looking for a penny in a large room with no light. 
right? And if it was released as that original title, that may have been the longest title of a song in, in Prince's discography ever, possibly one of the longest song titles ever. But in saying that, let's move on. Ooh, this is going to be good. Captain, tell us about your selection for this episode. Which song did you choose? This song is called Rebirth of the Flesh. It was put out through MPG Music Club 28th of August 2001. And I'm just going to go. Not having any official studio version from the Camille album to review, we have to make do with the only officially released version of this track. So this rehearsal's never been specifically dated other than early 1988. So that's all we've got. But this is a great track. Even for a rehearsal, it is just funky as anything. You've got that classic dog bark drum hit that kicks it off funky rhythm guitar comes in and there's just so many things in this song which have ended up in other places it starts off kick drum pounds on the two and four all the party people get on the floor one word different that ends up as the start of escape and then um the origination of the phrase we are here where are you which he couldn't stop saying in 2002 it came from this old old track 1987 and i never made that connection until just the last few days listening to this track i just kept hearing we are here where are you and i'm like oh that's what he always said but yeah even the chorus from this ended up in walk don't walk slightly different but it's there he really like mined he stripped this track for everything it had since he wasn't going to release it he took just about everything out of it and used it somewhere else anyway the song itself is great 231 great prince guitar solo that's uh, it's just good there's some nice horns through this one even that main guitar groove in this it's just dirty funk it's great stuff i can't say anymore i might blow my head off who's next uh toe jam what do you think of this oh man this is funky isn't it uh, first thing yeah, i want to talk about right. is <laughs> First thing I want to talk about is the band. I mean, this is, I've always put this as on par with any of Prince's, any of my favorite Prince bands, the, the Sign of the Times Love Sexy Band, Sheila E, Levi, Prince, obviously, Dr. Fink, even Cat. You know, I like Cat in this era. This is a rehearsal, and I like the fact that in the release of the rehearsal, he's kept in some of the, the chatter at the beginning. So, you know, he's like, right, this is the last time we're going to do it. Last one, last one. And then they have a false start. So that's funny straight away. Uh, and then at the end of the song, he's like, good, pretty good. You can tell he almost wants to do it one more time. Uh, this to me is like, you know, the P-Funk of 1986. It's really funky, really dirty. Did you say 86? 86, 87, you know, that era. The main riff is is clearly very minor. But then it's got this, uh, you know, the guitars, uh, the scratch guitars playing a very minor chord as well. But then you've got this major line on the keyboards. Just, it's really clashing and clanging. It really gives it this real you know, street cat bluesy kind of thing. Uh, I mean, the highlight for me in this song is when it gets to the chorus and the bass line in the chorus. I, I guess it's the chorus. I'm not really sure what you call it. The kind of, you've got that first riff. And that goes through the verse. Then you get this other one. Uh, I guess you call it the chorus or the pre-chorus. That, and it starts off the beats. Dun, 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 dun. That's like all over the place, that one. That's the sugar, that bass part. Eric Leeds and Orlando Bliss are playing some funky stuff all the way through. It's almost like it feels like every five seconds they're playing a different line. It's not like there's a, oh, that's the rebirth of the flesh line. It's like just different stuff all the time. There's long notes, there's hold notes, there's little pops and stabs and little bits. And 
I mean, those guys were on fire. Like those guys didn't write a song, you know, when, when Prince asked them to write horns, they didn't just write, okay, here's a cool little horn line for this song. They just wrote stuff. And like that stuff would just turn up in all these different songs, regardless of key or tempo or whatever. Like they just put it in there. It'd be like, hey, you know, you know that little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Like bang, hit it. Hmm. Really cool. Uh, you've got that la 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 thing that Prince was doing at this time. Obviously, la la la, he he he. The dog barks, like Captain was saying. You know, in this version, it's kind of annoying that Prince um, mucked around with the the motherfucker, you know, reversed it because he didn't like that by the time it got to 2001. But I mean, this is a really classic Prince song. I would love for the studio version to, to see the light of day one day. I would love to hear the Camille album in full, in pristine quality, rather than all these sort of fan-made versions that try to stitch things together and it just never quite feels as smooth as you, you imagine it could be. Uh, I mean, Re- Rebirth of the Flesh, this is one heck of a funky song. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Hmm. Player. Yes, this isn't cards, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, this isn't cards, <laughs> <laughs> Like, hell yeah. Is this from a Love Sex rehearsal or a Son of the Times rehearsal? I mean, it sounds it sounds Love Sexy-ish to me, but I can hear Brother Brooks yelling out a bit here and there. So Yeah, they're still there, but they left literally like weeks after this happened. It makes right. me wonder if, because this was released under, you know, Rehearsal 88. It makes me wonder if that date's actually wrong, that it should have been 87 or something. Now, well, Wally and Brooks were still there up until, like, I think around March or something. So it could still be early 88. Okay. Uh, sounds pretty close to the um, unreleased outtake from my years. Um, the guitar, the tone of that guitar, man, that's my absolute favorite of Prince. Like, of all of the guitar tones, I think I've said this before in previous shows, but that 88 guitar tone that he was rocking man like whoever his guitar tech was and whatever his setup was man like uh, nothing tops that but yeah this is this is just shit <laughs> it's great this song. Yeah, i love it okay i will admit that the first time i ever heard this was after it was released on the mpg music club and i guess i was initially like it was good but I don't know. There was just something about it. I guess maybe it, because it is a rehearsal, it was just kind of eh. like it, it was great. But I, I was like, oh, this isn't polished. It's not as it's not like many of the other outtakes that have been heard that were done in the studio and were given a little bit of love and a bit of shine, especially stuff from this period that was released on the B-Sides compilation, like Escape and all that sort of stuff. So I was always hoping that there was a like a crystal clear version of this. And I yearn for that day because what's here is really really awesome musically but i think it's let down slightly because of the fact that basically we're listening to a rehearsal and so it doesn't have the production value it's a bit quick isn't it i've always felt Mm. that this version yeah actually i mean you say quick i don't know that i it's not in my notes and i can't i honestly i can't say that that popped into my mind when i first heard it but it is i didn't think quick i just thought discombobulated and I, that that is in my notes so what i've written about this song is it's this discombobulated yet really really syncopated funk it's like a deluxe version of prince's funk and there are songs that are like this so for example 200 balloons is a deluxe version of prince's funk feel you up is like a deluxe version of prince's funk and this is another one of those songs and what i mean by that is it's a situation where prince takes all of those really really classic funk elements that he uses and that he turned into his purple funk sound the sound that he was known for minneapolis funk sound but he just like twists it around and plays with it and does all the camille vocals and does gets eric and uh, matt or i should say atlanta bliss eric and atlanta bliss just doing crazy shit on those horns like toe jam i think pointed it out but 
those things are not like guys wanking off in the studio. Like they are writing parts. Like they are parts, specific parts tailored to the soundscape. And it's just amazing when they do that. You might have to explain what wanking off means for our US listeners. <laughs> Is that not a term for our international listeners? I don't know. You know, like they're not fooling, ar- well, even fooling around doesn't really describe it, but yeah, it's all done with a purpose. And as much fun as, as everyone is clearly having on this song, at least it sounds like it musically, it's very adventurous and joyful. Uh, I will say one thing. Like, okay, horns are going off, guitar's super, it's super hectic. Like the comment that play out that you made around the tone, completely agree with that. It's orgasmic when you listen to Prince. <laughs> he just, yeah, I mean, was there ever a better guitar tone? I don't know. Possibly not. It's incredible. And his playing is so bloody free around this time, 86, 87, particularly 87, 88. He's just like really, really fluid, but yet really, really raw and gritty when he needs to be. I don't, I don't know. That's the way that I can describe it. But the thing I have to say about this, I have to say two things. One, the line about basically coming all over you is intriguing to me. And then I think about what rebirth... Sorry, let me take it a step back. I must have missed that one. Yeah, I was going to say, there is no line about (laughs) coming all over you. What the hell is this? Yeah, this is is just what goes on in his head normally. Eric is cracking off too much. (laughs) Listen, what I'm trying to get at is... is, Yeah, you better explain yourself now, man. I have to explain (laughs) myself. Now, this doesn't come with an official lyrics sheet or a a booklet or anything like that, but there is... I always wondered what he was doing when he just goes quiet for a bit. It's... I don't know. Think about it. (laughs) There is a part in this rehearsal performance of this song where Prince yells out in a really, really weird voice, something, something, something all over you. And I've always connected that like one moment to the title Rebirth of the Flesh. And I know this might sound a little sick and perverted to some. That's what the actual lyric is. The rebirth of the flesh is all over you. That's the line. That's okay, the lyric. Okay, so I'm still going to keep going he's on qu- this tangent. He's, he's quiet. He's quiet again. He's <laughs> quiet again. <laughs> I'm thinking about something. So when he says all over you and... I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about, fuck, how do I backpedal out of this now? Yeah, big time. So let's see if I can do it. Uh <laughs> Anyway, the point being that the overwhelming feeling that I get is that this is some sort of sick play, sick sexual play on the idea of using this metaphor of ejaculation and some way relating it to the return of Jesus, who is in effect God in human form. That no, is all I will jam, say. Toe jam, that is not right. That is all I will say. I will not I'm with I you. will not <laughs> go into that anymore. You will not dig any deeper. I have dug, you know, to the depths here and I'm not going to go any deeper. So um, the rebirth of the flesh, resurrection, you know, rebirth of the flesh is at your door. Let it in your it's about Jesus again. I agree. Mm. <laughs> but let it in. But this is this is the interesting thing. It's like, oh man, I could go on and on, but it's like the sexual act that ends up with we all know how a sexual act generally ends up but that is like some sort of that, that is some sort of that is some sort of in, I, see it's wanking possibly in rob s it is too possibly some sort of i don't know uh, method that i am not fully comprehending of 
creating union between this religious idea and a spiritual idea and incorporating those ideas with the physical manifestation of sexual intercourse. I, it's, I think there's really something there. I may not be articulating it fully, and it's probably going on yeah, far too long yeah. for this show. I don't even know what show I'm on anymore. What is going on? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Don't worry. Our interview with Richard Dawkins and Jordan Peterson is coming up right after this. The last thing I'll say... Uh, don't say anymore. <laughs> this next thing has been kind of bugging me a little bit when I hear this. To me, Prince sounds high. He just well, does. Because it's the, the high-pitched voice. No, 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 not the, not, no, no, no. No, no, no. I think he's... The um, mannerism of his speech and his singing and the way that he's, he does not sound completely, uh, what's the word? Lucid. He sounds either high or inebriated or both. And he's on a musical high. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying that he's necessarily doing substances. I'm saying he just sounds, I think there's something going on here. Like this is not, you know what? I think I've learned from the from the last few minutes not to go down this tangent. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. Does anyone know what the lyric is where he sings la, 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 la? And the lyric I've looked up here, it says Solia Colia. I, I don't know if that's what it is. I, I've always heard it as la, 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 Cynthia, call you up. I don't know why I've ever heard it that way. <laughs> I've, I've Cynthia, I'll call you up. Yeah, something like that. Say, who are the, one of them says Solia Colia. Another one says Semia Colia. But both of them yeah. mean absolutely nothing as far as I know. Yeah, who knows okay. what that is. It's not Salmonella and E. coli, that's for sure. <laughs> Salmonella E. Colia. <laughs> la, 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 yeah. la, la. Sorry, I want to say one last thing. And I'm, really <laughs> digging. I'm really digging now. But remember in 1985, Prince worked on this project called The Flesh. And I'm just mm. thinking, is this maybe has this maybe got nothing to do with anything that I mentioned earlier, and maybe it's just rebirth of the flesh concept and and the yeah. refl- uh, rebirth of the flesh music, which was very very similar to this. I've had that thought before that the song, like he was like wanting to revamp that idea, and he's like, well, I'll call it the rebirth or something. Mm. So rebirth of the flesh is in that project. That's probably what it's like, and you can count out my fifteen minute ramble about wank, wank sexual, sexual, a sexual <laughs> spiritual wank fest in the words of player oh gosh okay no, not my words they're your words no I don't. <laughs> well wank fest anyway okay <laughs> wow this is turning into a bit of a wank fest of a podcast ladies and gentlemen let's keep this show rolling and let's end on a high with a bang with a bang 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 let's end with a big final kaboom if you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm gonna hand this one over to toe jam toe jam Let's finish this incredibly entertaining Peach and Black podcast episode with a final selection by one of our members. I'm referring to you. What did you choose? What is the last song that we're going to talk about on the show today? Well, the last song we're talking about today is one of the last songs he ever released. And I've been nagging you guys for the last two and a bit years. Let's do this song. Uh, This song is Free Yourself. Free Yourself. Speaking of Wankfest. What? What? No, I mean, it's like, it's it's (laughs) an enjoyable song. What? (laughs) (laughs) So wanking is enjoyable, therefore, (laughs) I don't know what's going on anymore. I I don't quite know what's going on. I can't look at the title and just like, (laughs) free yourself. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Surely that's not... Maybe it's just because it came after Rebirth of the Flesh. I don't know. I can't quite gauge the vibe of the room at the moment, this virtual roundtable that we're seating around. So I'm just going to say, Toe Jam, go for yeah, it. Let's do it. All right, I'm, I'm putting it straight out there. I, I'm This song to me is tied with 1999 and Strange But True as my favorite Prince song. 
Holy I have thought long and hard about this over the last year and a half, two years. And this song is just amazing. It's great. It, it is really is one of my favorite Prince songs. This song is just groove that the beat is just pounding on every beat. The bass is pounding on every beat. I'm going to get to lyrics. Everything in this song almost is on on the one. The bass is on the one. The quaver synth bass dun, 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 is on the one. You've got um, that first lead line. I call it like this flying light that starts on beat one. Uh, you've got the second line that starts on beat one. The chorus, free yourself on beat one. Life is what you make it. Now's the time. Yours and mine. It's all on beat one. If you look hard enough, you'll find not everything's on beat one. Everything is on the one. One, exactly. And that is what makes this song killer because it's just pounding the whole way through. But not only is it pounding, I think they're great lyrics. This is just Prince writing a song about positive affirmations. Love yourself. Heaven on earth. Free yourself. Life is what you make it. Like I said, now's the time. Yours and mine. It's just positivity, just smacking you in every beat. And what I love the most about the lyrics, and this is something that I think I wish I had have heard Prince sing more about, is that these these lyrics are not arrogant. You know, Prince is often singing these songs about, and you get the impression that he's putting himself above other people. And this one, I don't get that impression. He's in it with the rest of us. Um, you know, lyrics like um, third apartment from the sun. You know, we're all here together. Love yourself. We need your help. So it's almost like, you know, we're, we're together and, and save a place for me. So it's like, he's not saying I'm already here. You've got to reach where I am. It's let's do this together. And that is what I love about the sentiment of this song. It's we're all in it together and let's funk this place. And I love that about this song. The absolute highlight of this song is the last few minutes. That outro is literally fucking insane. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is the audio equivalent of just banging in a good way, in the, in the most positive sense of that. So obviously, you know, the song's in a major key in the first half. Now we go to the, the classic relative minor groove outro. It's just so methodical, though. It starts with just the bass and drums. Dun, 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 dun. And it ends that little section with a little bass crack, a little distorted. It sounds like the thing's lighting on fire, just this. <laughs> then the guitar kicks in. Something like that. And then that that goes. Then the next time around it comes along. The, the synths come back in on the one. You know, but again, we're in the relative minor now. So it's the same line, but it sounds dark and mysterious. The next time it comes around, you start getting these guitars going. Then I think the next time, this is where it suddenly it just opens up. And instead of being on the one, it comes in on beat two. Free yourself. Free yourself on beat two with the whole song. Everything before this has just been in your face on the one. And then suddenly it's, you just get that moment of silence and it's free, free yourself. And the, you know, the, uh, the backing vocals and that are just insane. I love the sound of those, the female vocals and Prince's vocals just all around you. It's got a really like sly in the family stone. It just, it brings me back to that sound of just like, we're a group of people and we're from all different places and we're funking this song. And I, I don't know that build up for that is just absolute methodical p- perfection. I think we talked about a similar kind of thing that he does in um, We Can Funk in the various recordings of that. This to me is that same kind of thing where it just builds and slowly builds and then it hits this moment which is, oh, it's it's amazing. Now, I just said this is the best moment of the song. There's one other best moment of the song. When it finally hits <laughs> this part of <laughs> <laughs> when it finally hits this part where it's just banging and they're, they're just singing free free yourself and you get the girls in the background going whoa singing back that 
holy shit, if you listen to the bass in that part, oh, my God, it's doing this just all over the place. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I cannot believe that Prince in 2015 put out a song that I rate as highly as I do, a song like 1999. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Like, it's a brilliant song. It's so simple, and yet there's so much going on. The sentiment is the kind of sentiment I wish Prince had have done more, and um, the sound of it, it's got it's that acoustic sound. It sounds fresh. It sounds organic. But it's got a bit of you know grit underneath it as well. It's just amazing. It's the best song ever. Uh, up there with my two other favorites, 1999 and Strange But True. So there we go. Handing it over. So keep getting emotional. That's great. I want to, I want to hear more going. of that. All right. Keep going. Yeah. Prince's vocals in the background, just going, Chuh, oh, like all these you know guttural kind of vocal effects. Beautiful guitars, some nice acoustic guitars, offbeat skanks, background stuff, hi-hat in the right speaker, just driving all the way through. So much going on in the song, and yet it's just so simple underneath it all. Brilliant. Okay, that's it. I'm passing it over. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. I want to see hear emotion. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right, um, here we go. At, at four <laughs> so it's crazy because it, this song is less than four minutes long. It's also very interesting because the prevalence of the number seven throughout this track is kind of interesting. So it's three minutes, 47 seconds long. So there's a seven there. There's a three and a four, which also equals seven. But anyway, I'm not going to start a conspiracy theory here. I find it really interesting, Tojam, and I don't know whether you've actually made this connection. And I'm off by a few months when I say this. But when you spoke about your top three favorite Prince songs of all time. And you said 1999, Strange But True and Free Yourself, right? Mm. The minute you said that, I just thought about them. I thought about those songs, how similar or different they are. And then I thought about that when they were released. And there's something really, really fucking creepy about what you just said. <laughs> hmm. All three songs were released practically 17 years apart. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> kind of interesting. Practically a period of 17 years, which is kind of interesting when you say, these are my top three Prince songs. It's like he releases one in 82, then 99, and then, you know, practically in 2016. But yeah, it's a crazy track. I've always thought of this as the final Prince song. Yeah, I mean, like there were there was Rough Enough and um, If I Could Get Your Attention. But I mean, you know, they're not really... Not on, not on this level. Okay, player, what are your thoughts on this? Man, how do I follow that <laughs> review? Yeah, this is an average track. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want him off the show. Preach, brother, <laughs> preach. <laughs> yeah, this is a great track. Like Tojem was saying, there's an acoustic element of it. And like you were saying, with the grit under it. So you've got that acoustic guitar. You've got that little keyboard melody that's very princey. The grit that Tojem was referring to, which is in the background, that oom-cha-like sound that he does. To me, it sounds exactly like Controversy. Like he was doing that kind of stuff on hmm. Controversy. And the rhythm, the driving beat underneath this sounds like it's based on that Controversy rhythm. And he's like build it on top of that. Yeah, and that beat's driving, the thumping bass line. There's a funky clap low in the mix. That coda bit that Tojem was referring to, there's like even, it's a cowbell, it's kind of like a high-pitched one. But lyrically, it's so uplifting, it's, so, it's almost gospel in parts. And um, the live version that we all, us in Australia, that uh, got to experience on the piano and mic tour as an acoustic song, it really lifted the roof of the venue. So it sounded different, but he still put this energy into it. So yeah, I would love to see this get some sort of 
official release like on a future Prince album because it's like if Prince was to if he was going to release another album this would be like the title track like you it wouldn't be like a you know a buried three quarters of the way into the album this would be like the first song or the last song like it, it would feature it would be based around this song like the concept of the album so this is this is a, a, an awesome song and wasn't some of the preliminary artwork for this allegedly using blue lay or clementine slash blue lays imagery yes from memory as well so yeah a lo- lot of connections with this one this is his final standalone single guys this is the last single that prince released in his life as far as it's, studio recording it's almost like a parting gift like a message yeah that's what it sounds like it's kind of creepy but it's kind of cool at the same time it's it's a weird thing to describe but it's almost like a you know i'm going now and this is like my message to the world kind of thing i don't know it's mm. it's weird to describe no but i think there's something in that you know when you talk about it being weird i think it's weird because here's a guy who spent his entire life seemingly in this constant battle of sorts between so many things philosophies ideologies personal challenges and traumas and successes and you know amazing an amazing career with with super highlights and plenty of them. But this almost sounds like a guy who has unshackled himself from, I'll go out on a limb here and say like getting to the point of pretty much figuring it all out. Like it's a very universal song. Toe Jam spoke about this earlier. It's almost like this is coming from the perspective of the most enlightened part of Prince's mind, which is really, really cool. Like it's very heartwarming, you know, I wish he was still here with us in the physical sense, but he's not. But the reality is this is the last standalone single that he ever came out with. And it is an absolutely beautiful piece of writing, both from a lyricist standpoint and a thematic perspective. And musically, it's so cool. And it, and it's so Prince. Like that sound, no one does that sound like he does. That super sweet, super tight, super synthy Minneapolis, pretty much 80s Minneapolis sound that he updated into into 2015, 2016. And then, and then you had the arrangement that he did on the piano and mic tour that you guys have mentioned. And it's just this, you know, with the gospel infusion and you get a little bit of that gospel effect at the end of this studio track, but it was much more palpable being in the audience live when you're hearing thousands of people singing that free, free yourself chant. Tojan was getting emotional at the end of his review and I'm getting emotional thinking about being in the audience and all four of us were there that night, you know, it was like, took my breath away. Just thinking about it now is, is, is really incredible. But when you think about this as a standalone song, it stands on its own merits. And then when you add this, this layer of possibly being a parting gift, uh, whether it was planned or not, is kind of irrelevant. This is the last thing that we we hear from him, and and it's it's crazy. It's his last great song. I will say that. And the other thing I will say is, what a way to end off a career. Like if you had to plan it, you know, like Bowie finished with Lazarus. Basically, that was the Which single that, killer. That, you know, that whole and album. those last two albums are killer. You're talking about Bowie or no, Prince now? Last, no, the last two Bowie albums are great. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible, especially that last one. <laughs> I mean, you know, the guy created an art piece of his own death, you know, using his mortality to, to create an album. That's a crazy thought. But Prince kind of did it the opposite here. And, um, you know, he, he may have... We'll never know. It's just as possible that Prince left the earth due to a tragic accident. But but enough of that. The point is, this is his last studio song. And you couldn't finish on a higher note. 
a song that Toe Jam considers one of his top three songs. <laughs> That's quite an achievement in and of itself. But the last thing I'll say before hand it over to Captain is, for me, it's like, this is how I think of this song. The best summary I could come up with. Imagine Prince Rogers Nelson from Minneapolis from around the 1978 to 1979 era of his life and career, teleported into the future, which, can you do that? Teleport into the future? Used a, a, a um, time machine to go into the future and landed in a studio in Paisley Park in 2015, 2016, and kind of looked around and utilized all the technology, all the stuff that was in that room, all the inspiration, all that sort of stuff, and just like recorded a song in the most positive mindset possible by a human being. That's like what I hear. It's like, I don't know, it just takes everything that he started out his career doing and he kind of finished his career doing a really sophisticated, super polished, positive version of that. Like this song could fit on Prince's second album, I think. You know, like you'd have to play around with the production to make it sound like it's 1979, but it's not too dissimilar from the type of music he was creating back then. Sure, it's funkier and it's more sophisticated, but it kind of reminds me of this young kid that was starting out. You know, like this is Prince at in his late 50s, but he sounds like he's He's just that, that genius kid from Minneapolis. So with that, take it away, Captain. Round out our review of Free Yourself with your thoughts. After you just said everything that exists to say. <laughs> okay. Great. This is Prince's last track. It was the final single. It's also the last song, except maybe Toe Jam, that all of us saw him perform live. Did he do this in Perth? Was this the last track? I think so. I'll have to check, but I think so. He definitely did it, but I can't remember if it was the last one or not. Because, mm, yeah, State Theatre, Opera House, this was the last song. I'm not so much into the message because I don't really listen to it, although I know that's the you know that's the main point of the whole track. I just like the whole lightweight sound of it. I mean, it's as some of you have done, it's very easy to project things onto this track coming out when it came out. And you can say something like this. It sounds like someone who he's at, he's at peace. He's figured everything out. Whether that's true or not, we're never going to know. So anyway, I'm sure I remember Toe Jam saying not long after this came out that this sounds like something from 1982. And MZG, you just said a similar thing from the early years. Mm. And it's got that sound. It's got that Minneapolis funky Prince sound to it, which again, like Toe Jam said, he can't believe one of his favorite Prince songs ever came out late 2015. It's those, crazy. Uh, like those guitars was the end of like the, the, not only the line but like the sound mm. coming out of those amps just like man it's so early 80s it's so good so raw yeah. and fresh like on the surface it's just this lightweight groovy little pop ditty with fluffy synths and then like you said it goes to the minor on the outro from 226 love that the funky synth and guitars comes in 242 especially that bit 255 that do 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 that's so good mm. and um and 314 the chan comes in it's already been brought up you know none of us are ever going to forget the piano and microphone shows where this chant just went on and on and on and like that was the last song prince left we just kept going he came back <laughs> It was great. I mean, MC already said this, but could there have been a better song for him to leave us with as his last track? Maybe, but but probably not. This is yeah, probably not. It probably couldn't be any better. The end. I'm so glad you just didn't say, "Oh, it's just a song." <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was waiting for it. It's like, oh yeah, it's all right. 
<laughs> it's kind of crazy as well because the it, artwork it's not the was... grand progression <laughs> it's kind of crazy with this song as well like talking about the artwork because the artwork that was used for this single on title etc is the now famous image of prince with some sort of symbolism about having an eye open but his eyes are being covered by those weird whatever you call them some sort of i don't know well i don't know what you call that but they're, they're glasses of a sort maybe um, but that artwork is crazy when you think about the context of everything we just spoke about. He's wearing a shirt with an open eye, but you can't see his eyes. I just, I find that really, really interesting, intriguing. It's almost like Prince's Black Star moment, except that it's unintentional, possibly. And with that, I think we just fade. Why don't we do one of our classic? Remember ages ago, we used to like occasionally just fade out. And now for our next track. 